Hi, welcome to another Pharmacy and Practice uh, webcast, podcast type thing. Not sure really what it's called. It's a video call type thing that we're going to publish. So, um, yeah, really, really pleased to have um, a young uh, pre-registration uh, pharmacist on on the call tonight. So feel free to introduce yourself, Jazz. Uh, I, I, I'm being presumptuous there. I know. I think you go by Jazz, don't you? Yeah, so hi there. My name's Jazz, uh, just Raj Mathari. Um, I'm a pre-registration pharmacist currently working in community pharmacy in Kent. Um, as Jonathan sort of introduced me, uh, I, I founded a group for uh, young pharmacy professionals uh, called the Pre-Registration and Newly Qualified Pharmacists Association. Very good, very good. So look, why don't, I'll just cut to the chase. The reason I got in touch with you was because I was interested in your new organisation. Um, so go for it. What, here's your, I think they call it the elevator pitch. So what's your... What's your uh, elevator pitch? What are you all about? So the pre-registration and newly qualified pharmacists association, we call it the PNPA for short. Uh, it was born out of the, when the GPHC released uh, their statement stating that the pre-registration June and September exams would be postponed. Um, there was a lot of angst amongst the, um, the pre-registration cohort. Um, I personally didn't feel that there was a network where MPharm students, pre-regs and newly qualified pharmacists could talk together, network, share ideas and raise the concerns that were affecting us. Um, I went home that day uh, when, when the GPHC announcement was released and I thought that something needed to be done. So I went home, uh, talked to some of my colleagues and peers and that's how the PNPA was, was brought about. I was, well, I was saying to you before the call, um... I do. I like your style. I like. I like folk that get on and do things. There's too, far too many folk just uh, just chat about things and never actually get around. But you've done it the other way around. You've you've gone feet first. <laughs> and really, really, really gone for it. I jumped in into it. Yeah, good man. Good for you. And so, is it just yourself, or or is there a group of you got together? Primarily, it was it was my idea, um, but I also have sort of some of my friends and peers who helped me along the way as well. Mm-hmm. And have you had much traction, uh, much interest? Um, yeah, so it's, it started off originally as a WhatsApp group. So within the first couple of days, there's quite a lot of interest. So we had over 200 people join that group. Um, as that group got more and more, more and more people, we sort of uh, we we moved over to another another uh, uh, app called Telegram. Uh, it facilitates more members. So we wanted to have everyone in one place. Uh, to be able to share their ideas, share their concerns. From there, we made uh, a Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and then also uh, we ended up with a website as well. So on that website, we try and keep the most up-to-date, relevant information for pre-regs, uh, pharmacy students, and, and newly qualifieds on there. So that's that's what we've been doing. Very good. And um, well, I've got a I've got quite an embarrassing Telegram-related anecdote because um just as coronavirus was kicking off um i started a, a covid group to to share because things were moving quite quickly and it was helpful for about half an hour um yeah. and, then, and then it just got completely out of hand so i've i have to take my hat off to you if yeah. you can uh, manage to moderate a telegram group i need to get i need to give a it can be challenging to moderate it sometimes, but yeah, it's, it's something that you, you have it to do. It can be, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. just it just 
honestly, it just took on a life of its own. Yeah. And <laughs> one minute we were politely chatting, and then the next. It blows up into load, yeah, load. loads of fucking yeah. piled in, and I thought, goodness me, I'm, I'm clearly unconsciously incompetent with Telegram yeah. groups. So I just got out quick smart, and actually, I must, I must say a thank you to um, Graham Stretch, Doctor Graham Stretch, because he came in and saved me, and then he converted that group to uh, what is now the PCPA COVID group. So, and he of, co- of course, those the guys at the PCPA run it. Yeah. like clockwork they're just brilliant at it um so what what was coming out of the telegram group what sort of chat was happening on there what what was sort of on people's minds and so on a lot a lot of different concerns that people had it's, it's a lot of concerns i think that people i think it was difficult because the gphc weren't releasing a lot of information so we didn't know what was going on uh same i guess the same with the bpsa and rps just because no one knew or no one currently still knows what is going on. So there's a lot of speculation, a lot of queries, concerns, and, and people trying to put their views across so that they can be raised to, to these other to these organizations and to the regulator. So mm-hmm. um, I found when I when I made the, the group um, as part of the process of making it, I emailed all of these different regulators and organization bodies. So I emailed the GPHC, the BPSA, RPS, and, and PDA as well. Um, from there, that's how I found myself becoming a PDA union rep um, because they, they saw that I was quite motivated to try and make a change. And that's how I found myself as a PDA union rep. Um, so I was able to, to tell my peers and colleagues, that, look, if you, have que- uh, if you have queries and concerns, bring them to me. I'll, I'll try and get them raised for you. So that's how mm-hmm. I found myself doing that. Where does that need to help or be involved come from? In terms of? In terms of getting involved, you know, with the PDA. And there's obviously, you've obviously got, um, I find you quite intriguing because you've obviously got political aims rumbling under, perhaps. Maybe that's being a bit presumptuous, but you've, there's obviously a need that you're developing to um, make a difference or or yeah. or maybe support people or help people. I think I've I've... Pharmacy is the, the only job I've ever had ever since I was in school. I, I worked my way from being a Saturday counter assistant to being allowed into the dispensary. And then when I was in university, being a dispensary assistant and helping out that way. And I, I had a lot of conversations with pre-regs and a lot of different pharmacists. And I just felt that pre-registration pharmacists weren't being treated right. Uh, that's kind of the reason why I wanted to make this group to try and motivate my peers to make a change for themselves um, at the end of the day we're going to be the future pharmacists and pharmacy professionals that are going to carry this profession forward and i think it's important to not just look forward but to look back behind who's coming after you as well to make sure that the profession that they come into is is everything that's being done for them is right as well so that's that's where my sort of need for wanting to help people comes from here's a question for you what what's a pharmacist a pharmacist mm-hmm. i think i think it depends on 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 who you ask where where they're working it's a it's, i think it's quite a vague question um mm-hmm. if you if you ask someone who's working in in a in a hospital pharmacy setting they might give you a different response to someone who's working in community pharmacy but i think our role is is to support patients in the management of their medication um and to make sure that they get the best outcomes out of taking that medication. I don't think it's necessarily just 
having a pharmacist, in, for example, in a community setting, standing at a bench all day and checking, because we learn a lot more than that in university. We're, we're, we're trained to be expert clinicians in medicine. We, so that's where I find that our niche is. We're the experts in medicine. So we should be able to support those patients in taking their medicine correctly and, and supporting them. Mm -hmm. Maybe ask a different question. How, how does it of course, it's not fair. It's not a fair question to ask you, of course, because you're, you're, you're still, you're still pre-reg. I mean, it's probably a, it's probably a very veiled compliment, Jazz, yeah. because I'm asking you, I'm asking you questions that, that I probably ask um, people that have been on the register ten or twenty years. So it's, yeah. it's really a compliment to your, you know, how mature you are, and um, I find you a very impressive character, actually. Um, so, the, the obvious. Well, is it is it free to join your organisation? By the way, yeah, it's free. Yeah, it's free, completely Brilliant. free. Brilliant. Okay, and um, so at the moment it's early days, and you're you're forming it up, and yeah, and I guess it, uh, what I'm hearing is that you're it's been born out of um, the uncertainty of of what's happened this year. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cool. So I mean, I suppose the obvious question is, um, and before I chat, before we spoke, uh, this is this is something that was on my mind. Why not just join the BPSA? The BPSA doesn't have a network where pre-regs, MFARM students and newly qualifieds can talk together. There isn't mm -hmm. that platform to facilitate that. That's one of the main things that I'd say is really important. Um, being able to talk to other pre-regs and share your experience, I think that's really invaluable. Um, you can learn a lot from other pre-regs, you can learn a lot from their experience, not only pre-regs, the MFARM students who, are, who will be coming through after us as well, they can learn, for example, the fourth year students coming through now, they, they're, they're, they also were put into uncertainty with their examinations this year. A lot of OSCEs, for example, were cancelled or they were changed to online formats. And we had a lot of people asking us, okay, how did you prepare for this? And we can give those guys that insight into what we did or mm -hmm. how the profession is going to be for them coming into starting a pre-reg during a pandemic. In the same way, we've got a lot of newly qualified pharmacists who have been working as pharmacists in this pandemic. And as current pre-regs who are going to potentially be joining a provisional register come August, we've, we've got a lot that we can learn from these, these professionals that have been working hard on the front line as well. So I, th I believe it's important to have that unity, to be able to talk, to be able to share ideas, share concerns and, and move forward together. But how, I mean, it begs the question. Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. You're, you, yeah. this, I suppose, this is what comes of starting an organisation. Um, so I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but would, you know, is there not safety in numbers? Would you not, would you not be better um, affiliating with the PDA, or, or perhaps maybe that's your aim, a bit like a startup business. You're hoping to be um, maybe taken on by the PDA or, or others, perhaps like the NAWT um guys were is that is that one of your aims perhaps i think looking forward to the future it, it might be something that i think about but i think at the moment one of the unique things is it's it's by pre-regs for pre-regs for students so it, it's it's something that is ours it's independent it's not it's not governed by anyone else so i think that's what that's what's unique about it mm -hmm. um brilliant Brilliant. Um, so, what? Tell me about um, tell me about the pre-reg year this year. I'm not. 
I'm very reluctant to use the word unprecedented yeah. <laughs> because it's just ridiculously overused. It's been very unique. It's been a very unique experience, I think. Um, my, for myself, I've, I've had three different pre-reg tutors this year. So it, it's been, it's not been anything that's, I think many have, many before have experienced. Uh, but in the same way, it's not anything that anyone could have, could have foreseen coming. So it's been interesting. It's been interesting for sure. And what, what, I mean, it's obviously it's difficult for you to uh, compare and contrast because we all only have, well, yeah. usually we only have one pre-reg year, don't we? So it's, you know, you take it as it comes. Um, but what, what's been a highlight um, this year, Chad? So I was originally doing my, my training in a community's pharmacy that was within a GP surgery. And the highlight for me was being able to build that rapport with the prescribers, with the doctors there and all the surgery staff and not only the pharmacy staff and being involved, being allowed and being given the opportunity to be involved in helping with patient care plans. Um, I think sometimes in a community setting where, for example, high street pharmacies, you don't necessarily get that opportunity to be involved in developing patient care plans. But I really enjoyed that experience of working closely and building a good rapport with the prescribers and the doctors. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. And I think that in the future, that's where I see myself going into perhaps GP and a, a, being an independent prescriber in a GP practice or working in community pharmacy based in GP practice. Tell, tell me about the future of pharmacy then. So do you think, um, I mean, how important do you think independent prescribing is, for example? I think I, I personally feel that it's important to develop yourself as, as much as possible. I think I... Currently now, I, I do see a lot of pharmacists going into GP. And I think that will be the way that the, uh, the profession progresses as we go into the future as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think it, it would take some pressure off of those GPs being able, for example, pharmacists being able to run anticoagulation clinics or being able to run blood pressure clinics. I think it will be, it will be beneficial to patients and, and the NHS as a whole to make use of that skilled workforce that they do have. I think it's interesting. It's in, the 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 GP thing is interesting to me. I mean, I I always felt like um, so I worked there for three years. I I always felt like a welcome. Guest. I've said this a few times. Yeah. I always felt like a welcome guest. Um, but it, and it's no slight of my colleagues there. I really loved my time there. But I never it never felt like home as a pharmacist. Um, maybe maybe I didn't give enough time. I'm not sure. I think being in community pharmacy now it felt like home to me. Huh? Because when you're a responsible pharmacist, you're you're in charge. Yeah. Um, you know, the level of complexity might not be the same as a GP practice, but I mean, why could it not be in the future? Um, do you? I mean, where do you see the future of community pharmacy going then? Off the back of that, the future of community pharmacy, I think it's quite difficult to say at the moment with with all the uncertainty that's going on with with the coronavirus pandemic. So I was just reading, a, well, I was reading a blog there you, you'd done previously, um, and you said that pre-regs felt undervalued. Yeah. What was the context to that, Jazz? So I think when you when you come out of university, you're you're taught about all these all these skills that you can use to support patients. I think more so in a community setting, you 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 do get undervalued, and you don't get to fully utilize those skills. Um, a lot of a lot of pre-regs are essentially used as dispensers sometimes and the training that is provided varies very very differently um, 
between training providers. I think there should be something fundamentally in place where there's not that disparity in, in the training provided. Uh, I think in hospital, they have a much more regimented training program where they have different rotations. They're able to go into different different parts of hospital and, and hospital pharmacy and, mm-hmm. and their skills. I think in, in community pharmacy, that is that is lacking. Um, I think we should there should be something in place where the, there is a minimum standard of training provided across uh, community pharmacy as well as hospital pharmacy. And I think that that might in turn mean that there needs to be a change in the way that, that the degree is taught as well, personally. I think when looking back to, looking back to I think the PDA's uh, webinar, uh, they discussed that, for example, the reason that pharmacists and pre-regs couldn't be just pulled through like the uh, BMA had done with with the doctors and medical students was because of, dis- of the disparity in the training. And there needs to be, the, I think as a profession, we need to move towards that because you do four years of a master's degree and you come out of university and you still can't practice as a qualified pharmacist. So it sort of begs, to, the question begs to do why, why that is. Um, so I think there needs to be a change in terms of that. Do you think so? So you're talking about the tutor system. You reckon it's in, inconsistent across the board? Yeah. And particularly, maybe a bit worse. Uh, well, not worse, but uh, less consistent, shall we say, in community pharmacy. Yeah. How would you change it? How would I change the consistent the that the fact that there's the disparity in the training? Yeah, the tutor system. What what would you like to see done differently? In that space, I think, I think there needs to be something regimented in place. That at, at the moment you just have you you have your 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 sign offs with your tutor, and there isn't anything that sort of governs what you need to what you need to do and what needs to be done. If they put something in place where, okay, for example, the first three months of your 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 community placement, you you go into a GP practice, um, you get an experience of how it is to be a, a pharmacist or pre-registration pharmacist in a GP practice. Then you have your six months in community where you have you, you receive all that training on how to competently be a pharmacist in community. And there may be something where you have, for example, another three months where you could go experience the CCG networks as well. Um, I think I think it is something that is important that needs that would need to be done. And what what's out of interest? What's your plans for your personal development when you qualify? Have you got any plans? So ideally, I, I see myself wanting to do my IP as, as as soon as I can. That's something that I'd want to do just because I want to progress my career development and progress my options. I think from there, I'd like to go like to go work in in a GP practice with a pharmacy within a GP practice because that's what interests me. Um, but in the same vein, I do have an interest in community pharmacy because you you do build that close rapport those relationships with your patients and you are able to support them as well. So I think that's where I see myself going. Um, I also I also would like to be involved with the PDA or other organisations, maybe even the GPHC, uh, to try and make a change. Um, I think the one mistake, not mistake, the one way that the GPHC and other organisations could have changed their strategy this year in terms of handling the coronavirus pandemic pre-registration pharmacists was that they could have engaged with the cohort more. I think that that's what, that, that's what was really lacking. 
from all the conversations that I've had with a lot of a lot of pre-registration pharmacists, it's not that they we feel like we're not being heard because we're not being engaged with. I think the PDA mm. did a good job with with the webinar and providing questions and answers, but the the cohort wanted answers from the GPHC. They're the regulator. They're at, at the end of the day, they're the ones that make the decision. So that's that's what could have been improved on. And I know that the BPSA they they do meet regularly with, as as they said in their webinar with with the GPHC and RPS that they meet regularly with the GPHC. But I thought that that engagement with the cohort it could have been improved upon. Uh, that's where I see I I would see myself perhaps going forward in the future, making sure that there is the right representation for all these young professionals. So do you, that's interesting. So, so the the way organisations message and engage with members or registrants in the case of GPHC is important. Is that is that high up the priority list versus what they stand for and that kind of thing? Or I think you, I think you have to sort of realise what the GPHC do. The, the the GPHC are there to regulate the profession to make sure that. Their, their interest is the safety of the of the patients and the population. I think the RPS, their role is more so to sort of advocate for us pharmacists, and then the PDA defend defend us when when things go wrong. That's that's the way I see each of these organisations. Mm-hmm. An organisation that regulates pharmacy, the interests of pharmacists and pharmacy professionals should be high up on on your agenda. At the end of the day, they're they're the people that you are regulating. They're the people that provide the service for the for the thousands of patients and and people out there. Their mm-hmm. interests need to be of importance, in my opinion. Do you think? Um, I mean, certain pharmacy organisations do well, and some come and go, and you know, um, some ebb and flow, and all the rest of it. So clearly, the PDA have gained loads of members in recent years. I think I did an article. I would need to reference myself, but um, 2010 they had 14,000 members. Uh, I think. Uh, hopefully, Paul, Paul, and Mark and all are not watching because they'll correct me. But that that's that's really gone up to. I think on on Twitter the other day I saw 30 or 31,000 members, and you can. There's nuances within that membership, but basically the union has over 30,000 members. Yeah. Do you think it's a good thing that pharmacy has clearly become a more unionised profession? I think there needs to be more unity in the profession, more more so than perhaps being a uh, unionised profession. I think there needs to be unity among the pharmacy professionals within that profession. Um, Having talked to a lot of different pharmacy pharmacists and pharmacy professionals I think there is sometimes it feels like it's it's them versus us so for example some of the pre-registration pharmacists from this year they feel that that we've got pharmacy professionals who in the past had to do an exam and they're querying and questioning why as a cohort we're being allowed to perhaps go into a provisional register without having done an exam Um, and I feel like there needs to be unity in the profession so you can support those professionals coming through. And at the end of the day, there's always going to be more professionals coming through. Even after us, there's going to be a whole new cohort of pre-regs. 
So I feel like there needs to be unity in the profession to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're all trying to strive for the same goals that we're trying to achieve. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I wish I wish there was far more unity. And I, the, one of the reasons I like doing um, longer form interviews is because you can, and discussions is because you can get into a topic and you can, you know, you can get into the detail and ebb and flow and all the rest of it and sort of see issues from multiple angles. The yeah. irony of, I have to have to point this out, sorry, Jazz. The irony there, I suppose you could argue, is that another organisation is is not maybe going to create unity. That's that's yeah. one thing for you for you to consider. That's just it's not my view. It's just an observation. Um, yeah. And also, I going back to our chat about Telegram. I mean, Telegram is social media, and yeah. the as you know, the trouble with social media is that it's it's terribly binary, isn't it? And it yeah. it actually. It actually forces opinion to the polls, and that it's really interesting that. Well, I find it interesting that the Telegram, in particular, it brings people together, but within that, it also divides. Um, I mean, for example, what what's the? I know we we spoke a bit about the conversations on on your Telegram group, which I'm sure were completely professional and all the rest of it, but would. Was there good debate? I mean, is is it a good forum for having uh, airing of views and that kind of thing, or or is it quite a we really don't like the GPC or we love the PDA or don't know? You know, you see my point. I think a lot of what's raised what's raised in the group is is issues specific to certain people. So, for example, for for pre-registration pharmacists who who didn't who weren't who didn't pass the registration on the second or third attempt a lot of a lot of that co- cohort are raising their their views to make sure that they they are they are raised as well um i think a lot of it is for example when a when a statement is released that's discussed points are discussed and speculation is made we, but we try to keep it professional and 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 say and say okay look at the moment we're all speculating on what's going on but we need to Make informed choices, informed decisions to see where this is going. I think it's also a lot of what happens in there is I try to motivate my colleagues and peers. I'm, I'm of course, I'm there to raise their their concerns and their queries, but I try to motivate others to take action for themselves as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that everyone everyone raises their queries and concerns to show that it's not just one concern or two concerns coming from one person. It's the concerns of 100 200 people that are that actually that are out there so i think that's what that's what i try to do i try to motivate my peers and colleagues to to take action for themselves as well i think you're i think you're a born if i'm if i may say you're a born leader if i'm honest you know you're you're demonstrating a lot of a lot of leadership at quite an early stage which is i find really impressive and you know i must apologize for some of my questions because they're as I said, there are questions I would ask, you know, people who've been on the register and in in sort of public life in pharmacy for for multiple years, Jazz. So you know, yeah. take confidence from that. Thank you. Um, is is your organisation going to be for pharmacists only, or would you consider letting pharmacy technicians or others in eventually? I think at the moment, it's 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 focused on on 
pharmacists and young young pharmacists just because that's where my my knowledge and my expertise lies i don't think i would be able to confidently make an assumption or make or say anything in regards to the struggles that those that those cohorts are going through um so for that reason i would i'd have to keep it for the moment at least for for pharmacists just because that's where that's where i know what i am talking about i can and and i can make that change for my 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 peers but there's nothing to say in the future that it couldn't develop into into something that's for pharmacy and technicians as well yeah cool brilliant the reason i mean one one of the reasons i brought that up was because in your on your website and so on and so forth you use the term pharmacy professionals um so that that could kind of be yeah pharmacy technicians or pharmacists so no, no that's interesting um i use i use young professionals is because i want to try and motivate all the people that are a part of that group to be the best professional that they can be i don't mm-hmm. i don't see us just as pharmacists i think just to think as a pharmacist to think as being a pharmacist as someone who is confined to the confined to being in a hospital pharmacy or just being confined to a hospital or being confined to just the box that is a pharmacy on the high street i think it's 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 very closed minded thinking i think these these young professionals need to think that there's a whole profession out there outside the world of that of the pharmacy that you work in and there's a lot of external things that affect and mediate why we can and can't do certain things so i just try to make sure that people think outside of the box of course we work in pharmacies we we struggle we have the daily queries and concerns that we have to deal with with patients but there's a whole profession out there outside of the pharmacy that governs and means that what we are doing and why we're doing it in that certain way and it's important that these young professionals know that we need to know about these things as well to be able to understand why we can and can't do certain things why we we the profession as a whole is treated differently to the profession of doctors or nurses so i think that's what's important as well what what do you think could improve the standing of pharmacy as a profession does improve the the standing as do you sort of mean like the reputation of pharmacists or yeah just i suppose where we are in the pecking order really um i think that i think that the i think there was that uh interview on tv where where that one of those um journalists or reporters said that pharmacists were just on the high street people who check medication i think it's trying to break down those ba- barriers and showing patients that we're much more than we're much more than that we're there to support them in a lot of, a lot of different issues and different ways we can support them by when we do these MURs and NMS services and for example private private uh, PGDs and all these other services we're not just there to we're not just there to um check medication and get it out as as fast as possible more than that i i hope that the pandemic has shown everyone that where everywhere else was closed pharmacy was still we still had that open door policy patients could still come in ask questions we were still there supporting all these patients on the front line and i think that that is one way that we we should have shown patients or we i believe we have shown patients that look this is we're here for you we're here to support you and hopefully that corresponds in in those patients and and the population sort of 
having a better idea and giving us giving us some some credit that I think we do deserve sometimes. Very good. You you'll notice I've uh, avoided talking about coronavirus. Yeah. That's that's a, I challenge myself to avoid it in every interview I do this this at this time. But I suppose yeah. we better better mention it. So how how has coronavirus affected your practice and and where you work? Has it caused a lot of disruption, for example? Yeah, so when I when I was working in in the GP surgery, um, the GP surgery were operating one in one out policy. Uh, it's quite difficult to manage that when you have so many queues of patients coming coming in to try and get the services from the pharmacy, collect prescriptions, and so on. So it was difficult to manage that. I think we were all thrown into a situation where no one knew what was going on. Um, mm -hmm. It was it was something new. We all had to deal with it there was a lot of speculation on on what was right and what was right practice what was wrong practice um, so I think we were all learning and developing our own skills on the job to try and deal with this pandemic I think now we've we've all sort of buttoned, buttoned down the hatches and we know how how to deal with the situation better than before um, mm -hmm. but it was it was a very interesting time in pharmacy something that I don't think we've we've seen in in recent past no, definitely not. Definitely not. And I think I think pharmacists and, and their teams have done very well. Goes goes without saying. Um, you've just a few more questions. You've you finished your um, pre reg. Well, you're about to, of course. That, that's a moot point, isn't it? You haven't finished your pre reg year, but you're touch wood. You're gonna you're gonna finish, and however it pans out, we'll, I'm sure you'll. Um, I've absolutely every faith you'll you'll get onto the register. No problem, Jazz. What what would be your advice to people in you know their final year of uni this year what have you learned in the pre-reg um, that you could sort of give back to them as hints and tips i think networking goes a long way um having when when i when i sort of first founded this this organization i tried to talk to as many professionals as possible uh, that that gets you i think that gets you a long way just having your name out there and learning from the experience of these professionals you, there's you there's a lot that you can learn from other pharmacists and other technicians and dispensers and i think i would urge 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 these new these new pre-regs to be confident they're, they're fresh out of uni uh, a lot of them are very smart very talented very able um, but be confident ask questions is not there's never a wrong wrong question as long mm -hmm. as you're learning there's, there's there's nothing wrong so i'd urge them to be confident network take a lot of information in. I think it will probably be quite quite challenging at first being thrown into a pandemic, but enjoy the experience. I think I've, I have in, I've enjoyed it myself, so I, I'd urge them to enjoy the experience. Good man, good answer. Yeah, okay, final question then. Um, who do you look up to in pharmacy? Who do I look up to in pharmacy? Who do you admire? I think for me personally there's a lot of good pharmacists out there that i've worked with and i try and take the best traits of each of those pharmacists and and use their years of experience and and their guidance into into what i can do i, I wouldn't say there's one pharmacist that sticks out i think there's there's a whole range of amazing pharmacists out there who support their patients in in different ways and there's a lot of pharmacists can can be different individuals and have different personalities, but I think the way that they get those things out of their, get those positive outcomes for their patients, I think that's really important. So 
I try and take the best aspects out of it. When I see good practice, I try and add it to my own practice. So I'd say that there's just a lot of good pharmacists out there that have inspired me um, to to do things. So I wouldn't say there's just yeah. one. That's a nice positive way to end. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Um, Thank that's you. really, really interesting. As I say, I, I find you intriguing, uh, impressive. Um, and yeah, I wish you all the best with your your uh, organization. So give it a plug at the end here. Who can who can join? Can I join, for example? So we, we try and keep the, the organization for students, um, pre-regs and newly qualified pharmacists, um, just because that's what the organization is mainly for. So it, as you said, it's, it's the pre-registration and newly qualified pharmacist association. Uh, we have a we have a website. It's www.pnpa.co.uk, and mm -hmm. all of our social media is PNPA2020. So you can find us there as well. Very good. And listen, thanks very much once again. And I wish you all the best. And I wish all your your pre-reg colleagues all the best. Thank you. Thank um, you. No, at all. It's a pleasure. Um, hopefully, the next few months go as smoothly as possible and all this uncertainty passes. Um, okay. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Pleasure. All the best. See you later. Cheers. Bye.